white darkness, darkness automatically steps in. And we can see from, from the verse 7, immediately man ate and his eyes were open. Last week, we, we listed some of the characteristics of death, you know, and we said that one of the things that happened or one of the main elements or the main features of death is shame. That when man entered his eyes were open, the next thing that happened was that man saw that he was naked. Man was ashamed. And you see, this what we also need to appreciate that this is the agenda of the enemy. The agenda of the enemy is to make you naked. The agenda of the enemy is to shame you. The agenda of the enemy is to disgrace you. The agenda of the enemy is to humiliate you. That is why merely Adam and his wife listened to the voice of the serpents. They were naked. They were in shame. Because that's the agenda of the enemy. And last week, we said that one of the things that happened, or one of the consequences of Adam's actions, which is a characteristic of death, was that Adam began to hide. And I explained this to let us appreciate that there's too much hiding nowadays. We are full of secrets. People are just so complicated and we are not clear. We have several personalities in one being. So at home, you are seen differently. At school, you are seen differently. In the class, you are seen differently. At work, you are seen differently. Many people are not who they claim to be. We are full of secrets. We are complicated. And I always make this joke. That if you are asked the question, are you in a relationship or not, or are you dating or not, there are only two answers. Is it that yes or no? Immediately you start explaining your state, you are becoming complicated. So please, that is why Jesus even says that let your yes be yes and your no be no. He said, no need to swear by heaven because it is God's throne or by the earth because it is footstool. But don't swear by anything. He says, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. And Jesus added that anything that goes beyond this is from an evil place. I remember, I know most of you were aware of, um, I think a couple of weeks or months ago, a term that came up, entanglement. Human beings are becoming mysterious by the day. We are full of mystical things. We are just not playing. Our words can't be trusted anymore. So when you meet someone, and I like to make, or a man of God actually likes to make this scenario that you have become like Fanti Kenke. So those of you who are not conversant with Fanti Kenke, the spelling is F-A-N-T-E, Fanti and Kenke. So you can just Google it. And this is how human beings have become. So when you remove one rapper, another rapper is there. You remove another rapper, another rapper is there. You have to remove several layers before you can get to the main food. And by the time you get to the food, you see the kinky or in a wrapper, it looks big. But by the time you remove all the wrappers, it's left with something small. And many of us, our lives are like this. We are full of wrappers. We are full of covering. We are full of complications. And that is not what we are supposed to be. So man began to hide behind trees. Mercy. And we stated that one of the things, all the features of death, is that man became confused. God is saying, where are you? And you are saying, God, I'm naked. So now man has become confused. And just today, I saw a news item. I don't know what is recent, but I saw a news item. And the headline is, same-sex couple is actually two men celebrate world's first anal birth after a successful rectal oral transplant. Mercy. <laughs> so now men are giving birth <laughs> so it's about a gay couple and one of them obviously assumes the role of a female and the person had the rectal oval transplant and the person has been able to give birth and this is what Romans 1 was talking about that people have now changed the natural use of women like we are just in a state of total confusion so now men are giving birth to their inner regions 
and these are some of the characteristics of death. And we stated on another characteristic, which is going to lead us to our discussion for tonight, is that man became an accuser. Please never be an accuser in this world. Never accuse anybody for anything. Learn to bear the responsibility. You see a 50-year-old person still blaming his father or mother for not making it in life. You are just full of accusations. Man has become an accuser. Husbands are accusing wives. The husband is going like, my wife doesn't submit to me. That's why I don't love her. The wife is going like, my husband doesn't love me. That's why I don't submit to him. Children are rebelling against parents because parents are not understanding them. Parents are neglecting children because children are not grateful. Like the whole world is in a state of confusion and accusations. And now this is leading us to our first aspect of tonight's study. One of these many accusations is what we want to attempt to start with tonight. And I don't know if any of us have heard this question. People have been asking this question that if God knew or God knows everything, that's an established truth, his own many sense. God is not limited in any way in terms of knowledge and anything. So we mostly go like, if God knows everything and God knew that Adam would sin, why did God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil there? Why was God tempting Adam? You see what we are doing? Just accept that you use your will wrongfully. But now man is accusing God that God, you are the one making this sin. If you knew, I would sin. Because you know all things. Why then did you put the tree over there? And we want to make an attempt to answer this question. Because I feel like this would expose something very important. And I've stated it before, but I just feel led to really echo these things again. So now we want to attempt to answer the question that why did God place the tree in the garden if he knew that Adam and Eve would eat of it? So now let's start our study. And I really appreciate it if it's possible to get your Bible. Because I might say some things, and I know definitely I'll say some things that would be new to you for the first time. And I don't look like I'm saying anything heretic. So I really appreciate it if you could pull out your Bible, have your notebook, and draw down the scriptures. Be like Berean, the people of Berea. Be a noble Christian. That goes back to search if what I'm saying is really what it is. So let's start with our first scripture. I will read two scriptures before I explain. So let's go with John chapter 1. We are starting. If God knew Adam would sin, why did God put it there? Why is God tempting man? <laughs> why is God causing us to sin? Let's read John chapter 1. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. And it goes like this. From, from verse 1 to the verse 3. Or let's just read the verse 4. In the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god i'm using amplified so it's a bit different he was present originally with god now look at the verse 3 all things were made and came into existence through him and without him not even one thing came into being now the verse 4 that's just to back up what we said last week in him was life and the life was the light of men so in God is life, in Christ is life. So immediately Christ steps out of the place, what happens? Darkness enters. So my verse 3 is my focus. That all things were made and came into existence through him, talking about the word of God. And without the word of God, there was nothing made that came into existence. Now let's go to Colossians. And, I, and this is one of the scriptures that revolutionized my, my Christian work. And I really believe that it's a key scripture that every believer should learn to memorize. Colossians 1, a scripture in Colossians 1. It's very important that we understand this scripture because it answers a lot. Colossians 1 from the verse 15, and it goes, He is the exact likeness of the unseen God talking about Jesus, 
He is the firstborn of all creation. Now, this firstborn is not the firstborn we know. The firstborn simply means that he is the owner or the heir of all creations. I don't want to really dive into it. But the firstborn doesn't mean that he is the first of all creation. No. The firstborn talks about the fact that you know the firstborn in the Jewish setting is the person who inherits all that the father has. So if you remember in the parable of the loving father, the father told the elder son that all that I have is already yours. So let's get the firstborn correctly. Now the verse 16 is what we want to focus on. For it was in him that all things were created. Let's take a look. So the him, I'll be replacing the him with Jesus so that you understand it better. For it was in Jesus that all things were created. All things were created in heaven and on earth. Things that are seen or unseen, whether they are thrones, dominion, rulers or authorities, all things were created and came into existence through him. I thought I'll use Jesus. Through Jesus, in Jesus, and for Jesus. The verse 6, let me take it again. For it was in Jesus that all things were created, all things. And now you know when he says all things, many of us, because we are earthly minded, our focus will just be on the earth. We say that in heaven, in heaven, on the earth, whether there are things that you can see or things you can't see, whether there are thrones, dominion, rulers, or authorities, all things, all things were created and existed through him, in him, and for him. Now the verse 17. And he himself existed before all things. It's important that we know this thing. Jesus existed before all things. Remember in John chapter 1, he even created all things. So obviously he existed before the things he created. And all things consist in him. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. I want to give you more than enough scriptural evidence so that you get it clear. Let's go to the verse 2. In the last days he has spoken through us, he has spoken to us in Jesus whom he appointed heir and the lawful owner of all things, and also by and through whom he created the wells and riches of space and the ages of time. Now, all the scriptures that we are reading is pointing to the truth that everything that you can qualify as creation, whether they are visible or invisible. So now let's give examples. So for example, angels, angels were created. Human beings are created. The heavens were created. The earth was created. The galaxies were created. The sun, the stars, anything you can imagine. All things were created for Jesus. So the question is that, why did God create the tree or why did God create the Garden of Eden? The Garden of Eden was not created for human beings. Please get this. Human beings, as I said, I think... In the parable of the loving father, human beings are not the center of God's creation. Human beings are not the reason for God's creation. Human beings are not the owner of any of God's creation. Let's look at it, but let's take a look at it again. Genesis chapter 2, we are doing a Bible study. Verse 15, let's look at it again. It says that, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to tend, to guard, and to keep it. So God has created his garden and he has taken man and he has placed man. I remember I asked the question that where was man before God took him from? That one, you leave that one for another day. So God took this man and placed him in a garden to be a caretaker of the garden. You see, many of us think that because we are the center of God's creation, we are the reason why God does everything he does. Sweetheart, absolutely not. You are not the reason for creation. So the garden was not created for you. Neither were the trees in the garden created for you. Neither was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was created for Jesus. And it's important that we understand this. And let me just chip this in. 
This is one of the things I know some of you might have heard from you be here for the first time. If Adam did not sin, Jesus would have still come. Jesus was not coming. <laughs> let me be careful how I put it. Yeah, as I said, if Adam had not sinned, Jesus would have still come. And I know most of you would be taken aback by this statement. And do you know why you'd be taken aback? Because you think that you are the reason for creation. You think that God is doing things because of you. So you think that it is because of you or you are the only reason or you are the first reason why Jesus was coming. No, Jesus was already coming on the scene to do something. I won't tell you what that thing was. But you see, the reason why maybe you may struggle with this thought is because you think that when God was creating the heavens and the earth, you were the center of it. So when you created the garden, you were the center of the reason why he created the garden. Nowhere in scripture did God ever create anything for man. In fact, man himself is not an original. I know I've said something new. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. I want you to see it for yourself. Romans chapter 5, the verse 14. Yet death held sway from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not themselves transgress as Adam did. Now let's look at the, the second part. Romans chapter 5, verse 14. Let's take note. Adam was a type. I don't know which version. Let me use different versions so that you would understand what we are trying to communicate. Romans chapter 5. You'll just be reading the B part so that we would see what is going on over here. Romans chapter 5, verse 14. I want to use different versions of the Bible so that you get a better understanding. I'll just be reading the B part. So that Adam, who is the figure of him who was, that was to come. Listen to this. Adam is a figure. And one version says figure. Another version says Adam is a picture. That is basic English. Another version says that Adam was a type. Another version says that Adam was a foreshadow of somebody who was to come. So you see, even human beings, we are not the original copy. We are a photocopy. Somebody was coming and we were made after the person who was coming. And I like to give this scenario. I don't know if you still use it. But whenever a seamstress or a tailor is about to make a garment, mostly they have a brown paper where they cut the figure of the garment they want to make. So they look at the brown paper that they have shaped into the design and based on the figure or based on the image they have in their head, they cut the brown paper in the style and that cutting or the way they cut the brown paper is a figure of the garment or the material or the dress they are coming to sew. So the brown paper is not the focus. The brown paper is not the final product. But the brown paper that is shaped into the garment of the dance is just a figure, it's just a shadow, it's just a type. That's why Genesis tells us that we were made after the image of God. And I know most of us have not taken note of this. Man was not made in the image of God. We were made after the image of God. And Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 tells us who the image of God is. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Now, it says that, who being the brightness of his glory, we're talking about Jesus, and the express image of God's person. Jesus is the image of God. Jesus is the physical manifest. Let me not, uh, let me use, uh, let me, um, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. Okay, let me use another version. He's the exact representation of God's very being. That's another version. Another version is that he's the very image of God's substance. That is why when Philip asked Jesus that, show me the Father and you'll be okay, then Jesus was confused that I, I don't get your question because I am the image of the invisible God and man was made after the image of God. So we ourselves, we are not original. We are photocopies. And you see, this truth is very important. Now, I want to just digress a little bit. That is why one of the most, excuse me, say foolish things any human being can do 
is to be proud. In fact, it is very silly to be proud because you have absolutely no reason to be proud. And you see, it's so interesting when you see people are proud because maybe they were born in a particular family background or they were born into a family with a good financial background as if they chose the family they were born into. If you see the way human beings have become proud, there's absolutely no point for us to be proud. It's, it's so sad when you see people who have become proud and arrogant because of things they themselves do not even choose. Many ladies are proud because a section of guys have told them that they are beautiful, so they think they're on top of the world. You should see the way we become proud because of academic accolades, because of our financial background, or because of one thing or the other, which in all those things, we do not even take it for ourselves. Because, sweetheart, you do not choose how you look like. Sweetheart, you do not choose your academic abilities. It was something that God gave to you. Sweetheart, you do not choose the family you were born into. So what is the basis for pride? That is why it's so sad. That is why it's actually precious to find a lady who has achieved a lot in her career and still submit to her husband. Because you see, we end up deceiving ourselves that we are the center of everything. So now it's very difficult to find ladies to submit to their husbands because they think that they have some titles attached to their names, because they think that they are directors of institutions, because they think that they are business owners, because they think that one thing or the other, it's very silly. And if any lady would just submit to a man or respect a man because the man is older than her, then there's something wrong with the person. There is absolutely no reason to be proud because human beings ourselves, we are just a photocopy. We are not even original. <laughs> Mercy. We are a figure of he who was to come. So now back to the question about if God knew, why did God put the three over there? God placed it there because of Jesus. And now God placed man in the garden to be a caretaker, a steward of the garden. Now, let me put it a little bit more practical for us to understand. So, I always like to give this scenario. If I'm a big man, I'm a rich man, I own estates and mansions. Then one day, I take someone, just as the way God took Adam in Genesis 2, verse 15, and I take him to one of my mansions. And I'm like, oh, I have a mansion, and in this mansion, there are 10 houses, 10 cars, 10 swimming pools, and 1,000 bedrooms. And I'm like, oh, please, guard this garden or guard this mansion keep it and tend it and i'm like you can enjoy anything in this house you can drive any of the cars you can sleep in any of the rooms you can use any of the swimming pools and i go like there's one particular car maybe there's a particular rose royce please don't touch this rose royce then i leave this my this guy in charge of my estate then one day this guy wakes up and goes like if this man did not want me to drive the Rolls Royce, why did he put the Rolls Royce in the estate that I'm taking care of? Sweetheart, is it a sensible question? Because you think that the estate is existing because of you. No, you are not the reason for creation. You are not the reason for life. Jesus is the reason for life. That is why Jesus is called the word of God. Because the only thing God has to say is Jesus. Because the purpose and the reason for all that God does is Jesus, not you. And as I said earlier on, that Jesus would have still come if man did not sin. Because sweetheart, you are not the reason why God created the Garden of Eden. You are not the reason. You are not the reason for God's creation. So that answers the question that people or the accusation people are having against God. Now, we also want to look at the question that or what God told Eve, that what is this you have done? What made the disobedience and we established last week that Adam's sin was not just eating of the fruit, but it was a sin of disobedience. And if we read 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, you may understand that Adam said, let's, let's read it. 
First Timothy chapter 2, the verse number 14, just to throw some light on what happened in the garden. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman who was deceived and fell into transgression. So the Bible is letting us know that Adam was not deceived. It was Eve that the serpent was able to deceive. So Adam consciously and willfully ate of the fruit of the tree. So Adam's sin, or what Adam did, was a sin of disobedience. Now what makes Adam's sin so the way it is? Or what was the component or the features of Adam's disobedience? The first thing was that Adam's eating of the tree that God told him not to eat was an act of rebellion. Rebellion simply means to resist authority. So authority says do not go out after 6 p.m. And you decide to step out after 6 p.m. What are you doing? You are going against authority. You are rebelling. So Adam's disobedience was going against God's authority, was going against God's will, was going against God's instruction. So Adam literally was fighting against the instructions of God. That is why in Romans chapter 5 verse 10, we are called, we were enemies of God because now we are opposing God. We are going against God. So Adam's disobedience was not just eating of a fruit, but it was an act of rebellion. And it didn't just end over there. It's not as if Adam just rose against God. But Adam took sides with the devil. So Adam's sin was one, the sin of rebellion. Two, the sin of high treason. And high treason or treason simply means disloyalty against the government of a nation by taking sides with enemy states. So Adam did not just rise against God, but Adam took the side of the devil because Adam decided to listen to the voice of the devil. So now Adam did not just rebel, but now Adam became disloyal to God because now he had taken part to be to an enemy of God. And as if that was the end, Adam also sold creation to the devil. Because now let's look at the scenario I gave that a, a rich man has given somebody charge over the estate. So the day Adam decided to listen to the voice of the serpent, Adam indirectly handed over the keys of the estate to the devil by listening to his voice and that's exactly the same thing the serpent or the devil wanted to do to jesus remember he took him to the the top of a pinnacle and was like all these things are mine and i will give them to you if only you will do what you would bow down so the question is how is bowing down to the devil surrendering to him is because you are listening to his instructions he is now giving you orders so the day adam decided to listen to the voice of the devil adam now submitted himself to be a subject of the devil so it didn't just end with rebellion it didn't just end with high treason but now adam became a slave to sin Let's look at, I remember last week we quoted Romans chapter 6 verse 16, that the person you listen to is the person who you are asleep. Now let's look at John chapter 8 verse 32. John chapter 8, the verse number 32. Jesus was preaching and he made a statement that the Pharisees and people had an issue. He said that, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they answered, we are Abraham's offspring. We have never been in bondage to anybody. So why then do you think we will be set free? And you know this is a lie. Because you know the Jews were slaves to the Egyptians. You know the Jews, even after the time we were talking, they were slaves to the Romans. They have been slaves to the Philistines, to the Midianites, to so many people. So even this statement is a lie. Jesus was telling them that if you know the truth, the truth sets you free. And they're like, we are Abraham's seeds. We have never been in bondage. And it's a lie. And Jesus answered in the verse 34. Jesus answered and said, assured 
I tell you that whoever sins is a slave to sin. So the day Adam decided to listen to the voice of the devil, Adam became a slave to the devil. Adam became a slave to sin. So look at the nature of Adam's sin. So when God told Eve, what have you done? It was not as if oh, Eve had just broken a glass in the house. You know, maybe like imagine your parents and your children are playing, maybe they're playing, they're kicking the ball and they just kick the ball and it, it hits a glass in the house or it hits a ball. But you go like, oh, baby, what have you done? That's not what <laughs> was going on. When God was like, what have you done? God knew that the act of Adam listening to the voice of the devil was an act of rebellion, was an act of high treason, was an act of submitting to himself and creation to be subjects of the devil. And it didn't just end over there. <laughs> it's getting worse. Now let's let, let's go back to our Genesis. Let's read what happened in the verse. In the verse, read the verse 14. God cursed the serpent in verse 15. God cursed or God made a statement about the woman and the seed. I'll get back to that. And in the verse 16, now the verse 17, let's listen to what God told Adam. It's very important. And he said to Adam, because you have listened and given heed to the voice of your wife and you have eaten of the tree which I commanded you saying you shall not eat. Listen to what happened. The ground is a cursed because of you. Now take note, God didn't curse Adam I don't know if many of us have taken this from you. Why did God curse Adam? Because we know in Genesis chapter 1, the verse um, 28, God blessed them. So God himself doesn't bless what he has cursed. But listen to what God said. He said, now the ground is a curse because of you. In soul or in toil you shall eat of it all the days. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to dust. For out of it you came. Wow, this will be another point. But let me not go ahead of myself. Now, the next thing that Adam's sin did was that Adam released a curse into the world. Now, the ground became a place where human beings need to toil. People need to go through labor. People need to eat out of the sweat of their face. So, Adam's disobedience was like an opening that opened a curse into the world. That unleashed a curse into the world. Adam's sin was not just rebellion. It was not just treason. It was not just submitting himself and creation, but it also released a curse into the world. So when God told Eve, what is this you have done? This is what God was seeing in his mind. That now a curse has been released into the earth. A curse has been released into the world. And let's look at what Jesus, sorry, what God said to man. He says that man, you are dust and to dust you shall return. But in the verse 14, let's go back to the verse 14. When God was speaking to the serpent, he said, And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed above all domestic animals and above every living thing on the earth. Upon your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Listen, God told man, Man, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. God told the serpent that you would crawl on your belly and you would eat dust all the days of your life. So Adam's disobedience translated him from being a steward of a garden to now become the food of the serpent. So our flesh, through Adam's act of disobedience, became now the meal for the devil. That is why in the classical way by which this manifests is in the manifestation of sicknesses. So while somebody likes to define sickness as when the devil is eating your apple, 
So when people are getting all sorts of strange diseases and each and every day, people's life are being plagued by disease because now our body, our flesh has now become the food of the devil. That is why when Jesus appeared on the scene, whenever he casted out a devil or an unclean spirit, whichever condition the person had, so if the person was blind, if the person was dumb, if the person was lame, if the person was the woman with the issue of blood, immediately Jesus casted out that unclean spirit, that condition left because the presence of evil spirits manifests in the form of diseases and sicknesses. Because now man's flesh had become the food of the devil. So all the manifestations of cancer we are seeing, these are all the workings of a serpent behind the scene. What is this that you have done? So all these things was a manifestation that man was not just an enemy to God. Man was not just a disloyal person. Adam's death was contagious because in him, he contained the seed through which every other human being will come into this world. So because now the source has been contaminated, every single human being born out of a man and a woman was born dead. Mercy. So when you are born, you are born dead. You are born an enemy of God. You are born a committer of a high treason. You are born into a case. You are born as a slave of the devil. You are born when your body becomes the food of the devil. You are born as a resistor of authority. And this is what made Adam's sin very grievous. If Adam had given birth before he sinned, like the world was still intact, and if Adam did not sin, but only Eve sinned, the world would have still been intact because the seed was in Adam. So anybody that was born out of a man and a woman carried in him the nature of death. Adam, what is this that you have done? So we inherited a corrupt nature. So we were born as enemies of God. We were born dead. And now, I didn't read this, but let's just read it. After all this thing happened, and God was releasing curses, he, you know, he killed the serpent first. I want to just read this. So we see what happened, just to give us a, a pictorial view. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, and he cares him. Now, the verse 15, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring and her offspring, the woman's offspring. And he will bruise and tread your head, and you will lie in wait and bruise his heel. And the woman said, then the curse followed. So now you see, the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the devil does not come, or the thief does not come, except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So you see, immediately the devil achieved his aim of making man a rebel, of making man disloyal, of making man his food, of making man dead, he thought that it was all over. Because he knew from experience that when he sinned against God in heaven, the Bible said, and there was no longer a place found for him. So his whole aim was to take man into the state in which he was, that man will be dead. And you see, the thing is that no matter how you love somebody, when the person is dead, the person is dead. I don't know if any of us have gone to funerals. I, I, if you are Ghanaian, I'm sure you have been to a funeral. Sometimes you see the way people cry at funerals. You wonder, can they live outside this person's existence? Some people literally, when they are pouring the sun on the coffin, some people literally want to enter the hole and they'll be screaming, I won't let you go, I won't let you go. I remember one day I lost a relative of mine. And I was just looking at the children. I was wondering, how would these children survive outside their father? But interestingly, they are surviving. <laughs> that really taught me life that, please, when you go, life still continues. That's just by the way. But you see, no matter how you love somebody, when a person is dead, the person is dead. You cannot do anything about it. 
So what do you do? You must throw the dead away. You must bury the dead away. This was the aim of the devil. That after all these things was real. That's why when they were cursing him, he didn't complain. Look at the verse 40. And the Lord God said to the serpent, he didn't complain. When the woman said, the serpent gave me, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't have an issue because he knew what he came to do. So he thought the story was over because now man has become an enemy to God. In fact, the Bible calls us darkness. You know what that means? The Bible didn't say we were in darkness. Ephesians chapter 2. When we were talking about our state, he called us darkness. In other words, when human beings step into a sea, darkness has stepped into the sea. So our presence alone was darkness. That is why there is senseless murder. That is why there is senseless rape. Look at the pain that people are causing other people in this world. Because they cannot do anything but themselves because they are darkness. Look at the way people can break people's hearts. They can live in deception. Then on the wedding day, they will leave them on the altar. See the way somebody can just wake up and take a gun and kill somebody. See the way people are killing people because of money. Because we are darkness. We are dead. We are enemies of God. But the issue is, the devil thought that just as God treated him and cast him out, and there was no longer a place found for him, he thought the story was over. Because no matter how you love the dead, sweetheart, you cannot do anything with the dead. You must part ways with the dead. But little did he know, in the verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and their offspring. Now, this is where the surprise came. He will bruise and tread upon your head, and you will lie in wait and bruises him. What? The devil never saw this coming. He thought that now that we are dead, the story is over. Because no matter how you love the dead, you can just do nothing but throw it away. But the story is not yet over. So even though we're dead in trespasses and sin, even though we were darkness, we were enemies of God, the story is not yet over. I would like to pause here, even as I invite my friends to give their commentary on what we have studied so far. And I'll start with Benji. Benji, kindly give us a commentary. Thank you very much for this opportunity. And I believe we've learned a lot from what has already been shared. Now I'd like to um, speak on a few things. The one thing I want to expound on is one important point that some made that Jesus Christ is the center of creation here. Yeah. I think the faster we get this concept into us, the better it will be for us. Because when we know that Jesus Christ is the epicenter of everything that God is doing, it is going to change and shape our mindset. That even um, the gifts that he gave to the church, as I said in Ephesians chapter 4, says that so we will come into the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the stature of the measure of the fullness of Christ. So everything that God is doing is to make us grow or to become or look like the son of God. Yeah, so it's very, very expedient that we get to know that God didn't create the world for human beings. He created it for his son. And as God, he um, He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. And also, I also want of the sin that Adam did to us, a rebellion, and then it made Adam give away his dominion through or even listening to the devil. Is it that's why the Bible said that by the Spirit of God, whoever you listen to, what do you listen to, or who controls your mind? 
it's going to be good for us yeah because anyone who gives you information is always controlling your mind because the information that you receive or you put into yourself is what controls and shape the totality of your being so i want to entreat us and admonish us that we should be mindful of um, the things that we take into ourselves with respect to the things that we hear because the distinguishing factor is between those who are led by god and those who are led by the devil and it's just a two-way something you can't sit on the fence if you are doing good you are listening to the spirit of god that you are being led by the spirit of god and if you are doing the wrong things that means you are listening to the devil yeah i just want to entreat that, that who we listen to it's very very important and we ought to listen to the voice of the lord as we've already studied in our previous series yeah we should pay the price we should endeavor we've already studied about the characteristics of the voice of god the voice of the holy spirit yeah so let's endeavor to be sure that we are doing the right thing by being led by the spirit of god and i know that we are going to excel in this life amen god bless us all. god bless you too um abena kindly give us a commentary so i'll base my contribution today on genesis chapter 3 verse 11 and 12 and it says who told you that you were naked the lord god asked have you eaten from the tree whose fruit i commanded you not to eat and then man replied who gave me the fruit and i ate it so the little i want to add is god asked adam who told you you were naked and i think at that point god knew like exactly what had happened and everything that had ensued over there and he definitely knew the answer to the question he was asking as i think he wanted to give adam the chance to repent and confess his sin but instead Adam blamed Eve. And we all sin in so many different ways. But when we sin, we can give glory to God by confessing the sin to him. By confessing our sins outright to him than rather blaming others. Like we have a very bad habit of doing that. Sometimes we sin and then we end up blaming someone or something or a certain circumstance as being the cause of you going to sin. Instead of humbly approaching God with a heart of repentance. So let's try and watch our, our everyday moves and know that if we sin let's boldly approach the throne of god and ask for forgiveness of sins and stop blaming people for it sometimes you might not really like realize it but when you sit down and analyze like your day sometimes someone blamed you for something and let's take it for example in a classroom someone blamed like let's say they are writing names of talkatives and you spoke yes you go and say oh and uh, somebody asked me for eraser, so I had to speak and give the person the eraser. But did you speak yes or no? As Sam said, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Don't try and put the blame on others. Because if you let's if we use the scenario I just explained, if you had a chance, you had a chance to speak and not to speak, and you chose to speak. So at that point, you don't blame your friend for let's say tempting you to sometimes people will commit a sin and be like, oh, I was tempted. You were tempted, but you had the chance to either commit the sin or not to commit the sin, and you chose to do it. So don't blame others. Thank you. God bless you too. When God asks a question, it's not that he doesn't know, but he wants to draw your mind to the state which you find yourself in. 
God bless you so much. Bele, kindly give us your commentary. Okay, I'd like to also talk about what Sam was saying concerning Adam's sin affecting the entire human race. And some people would want to ask, or some people would argue, why should Adam's sin affect me? Isn't that, let's say, unfair or something? But I'm reading from Romans chapter 5, verse 12. It says that, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed unto all men, for that all have sinned. So it tells us that because of Adam's sin, every man, whether a newborn baby or an elderly person, you have sinned. And because of Adam's sin, you have all sinned. I think I, I'm trying to connect it. Hebrews chapter 7, it talks about the fact that even though Levi, he wasn't born, because Abraham paid died to um, Melchizedek, Levi, because of being a descendant of Abraham, he also paid tithe to Melchizedek. So it's like because Levi was a descendant of Abraham, Abraham's actions affected Levi. And so irrespective of who you are, you shouldn't say that, well, because I have not sinned or because I'm living a morally upright life, I'm not a sinner and I therefore do not uh, need a savior. But then as long as you're a human being on this earth, you need a savior because Adam's sin has affected you. And so sin is not merely wrong actions or your wrong thoughts, but it's an inherent inner disposition that makes you inclined to do wrong things. So you are not, we are not sinners because we have sinned or because of our actions. But um, we sin because we are all sinners, and we are all sinners because of um, Adam's sin. That's why we all need Jesus. Whether a newborn baby, an adult, or whoever, we all need Jesus because we have all fallen. And so you can compare it. So we are not saved by our actions or our works, but by the actions and the works of Jesus Christ. Likewise, we are not sinners by our own works or actions but by the actions and or the disobedience of Adam. As a result of being sinless by Adam's disobedience, we are all inclined to perform sinful acts. And as a result of being righteous by Jesus Christ's obedience, we can all be inclined to perform righteous acts by the help of the Holy Spirit. So irrespective of who you are, you need a Savior, and the Savior is Jesus Christ. Thank you. God bless you so much. God bless you so much. And you see, we see this even in our day-to-day living. So taking back to several years ago, when blacks were taken as slaves, when the blacks give birth, their child or their children are automatically slaves because they were born into slavery. So if your parents were, were taken as slaves and they give birth to you whilst you were in slavery, you don't say that, why is my father's being captured as a slave affecting me is because you were born into slavery. So because of Adam's disobedience, he was in a state of death and we were born in death. So we were all, or we are all having that, or we all inherited the corrupted nature of Adam. That is why the devil thought that he had finished us because he knew that if he could get the father, all those in his loins were going to follow suit. So he knew that he had finished the human race. But as I said earlier, the story is not yet over. We would like to pray and want to pray concerning pride. 
And as I said early on, that it's one of the most silliest things you can ever do because there's absolutely no reason for you to be proud. Because just as someone told King Saul that when you were little in your own eyes, did not God pick you and make you the king of Israel? Now, because you think you are the king, you have the audacity to hold my garment and tear my garment. Now, because you are a king, you think you can speak to me anyhow. Because man, we forget that we are just a photocopy. We are not even the original copy. We are not even the center of God's creation. God does not exist because of us. God does not live because of us. We are just a product of the love of God. And you see, the more you understand this truth, the more you know what it means for God to love you. We want to pray to God that, Father, may we never forget that Jesus is the center of it all. May we never forget that everything we are and everything we have is just by the grace and the mercies of God. That is what David had that distinguished him from King Saul. So David told his wife, Micaiah, when Micaiah was angry, how can you, a king, dance like that before the maiden? David said, was it not this same God who chose me above your father? We want to pray to God that, Father, may we never forget that Jesus is the center of it all. May we never forget that we are just a product of your grace and your mercy. Father, we lift up this prayer that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, may we never forget this truth. When we become directors of institutions, may we never forget this truth where you become CEOs and owners of companies. May we never forget this truth. You should see the way some women can be so arrogant because they are older than their husbands, because they have more titles attached to their name. They have forgotten that everything they are is just a product and a result of the grace and the mercy of God. You see the way some women will become so arrogant, forgetting that we are not the center. But we finally pray that may we never fall into this deception. May we never fall into this step because you know that after pride the next step or step of pride is a step towards the destruction whenever we fall into the condemnation of pride we are taking a step into destruction father deliver us from destruction deliver us from pride deliver us from every high-minded thought that is the reason why we have classisms and racisms and all sorts of sins because people feel like because their color is different from others they are superior to others forgetting that they did not even choose their own color who decided that you be born white? Who decided that you be born black? Who decided to be born the way you did? Who decided to be born into this family? But many a times we forget that all that we have and all that we are is by the grace of God. Father, we pray that may we never forget this truth. Deliver us from pride. Deliver us from distraction. And Father, constantly remind us that we are a product of your grace and your mercy. Deliver us from arrogance. Deliver us from haughtiness. Deliver us from high-mindedness. For Paul said that we not mind high things, but condescend to men of low estate. And Paul also reminds us that let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Father, we ask for this mindset, oh God, that wherever we find ourselves, when we become CEOs, when we become directors, when we become governors, when we become presidents, may we never forget that our life is just a product of your grace and your mercy. May we continually live in the reality that Jesus is the center of it all. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for choosing us. And thank you for accepting us. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. So next week, we'll be looking at how did the seed of the woman bruise the head of the serpent. God bless you for being around. And remember to give God your best.
and make sure that the only thing you owe your parents, the only thing you owe anybody is love. Bye-bye and see you next week.